Good evening, good evening. I am Coach Mo. We're here with the Evening Social Podcast. The Evening Social Podcast is a platform that the Jenna Club uses uh, for their vision of creating a community of individuals uh, with an entrepreneurial mindset uh, that are economically independent, uh, operating in harmony. So this platform here allows our students and families uh, to help uh, see people who come from their neighborhood look like them uh, that are thriving in a professional manner. Uh, tonight's episode is um, entitled, I Am What I Choose to Become. Um, it's an uh, honor to have the guest tonight who is a, uh, a daughter, a sister, a wife, a mother, a friend, an educator, uh, and a principal. Uh, we have Miss Monica Randall. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel privileged to be here, uh, and this is exciting, good stuff. I'm, I'm excited. Good, glad. I'm, I'm happy to have you. Um, I must say this, uh, part of the uh, definition of the word Jenna, um, it is that you will uh, be able to speak truth to power. Uh, and so that's what we're gonna do this evening. Some people say it's hard conversations because we're gonna talk about some things um, being honest and moving forward. But in this conversation, I like to say um, that the conversation is not about us. It's about those who came before us and those who come after us. So we're honoring who helped us get here, but then we're also teaching those who are going to come after us. Awesome. So awesome. that's the conversation for tonight. So <clears throat> I start every show with something what we call um, our icebreaker or our fun questions. Just kind of oh. shake it up just a little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So I do have to put these on because sometimes I, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a part of my everyday all okay. day. So it's well, it's covered. Good. I got an eye appointment coming up. It may be my everyday too. <laughs> <laughs> so with our first uh, icebreaker, our fun questions, let's see. Um, what period would you travel to if you were given a time machine? You know, um, that's a great question. Um, I would think maybe maybe the '60s, just just a smidge, you know, a little bit older than what I was, you know, my age. I, I, I'm curious as to how my mom, my dad, their experiences growing up here in KC. Um, you know, it was at a pivotal time where race relations were starting to change and give. Um, black people more uh, opportunities. Um, I kind of giggle because I'm like, I don't know with my mindset now, I don't think I would be patient or obedient, um, <laughs> having been a slave, but I guess the reality is if that's the era that you grew up in, that's what you would do. Um, and so I'm grateful that you know they had to go through that in order for me to have what I have, but I think the 60s probably would be a good time just to kind of see what the old Old, um, and how they broke into some of the new um, opportunities and experiences we have now. Okay, yeah. the six, six, I got you. Mm -hmm. um, which word would you use if you could only use one word for the rest of your life? So if you get one word for the rest of your life, which word would you use? Love. That's what comes to mind, love. Good word. Um, everything I do, um, I do it out of love. Um, I, could, I, I can't imagine going to work without loving what I do. Um, I do it because I love my children and my husband, so I'm providing for them. Um, it's all about love, yeah. Okay, I like yeah. that. <clears throat> Which would be the smartest animal if they all could talk? 
I'm going to say a turtle. And um, okay. the, reason, the reason why I say a turtle is um, I was reading on Facebook today, a friend of mine's, and she was talking about how a turtle was showing up in a lot of different things that she was experiencing. And she looked up, and it was in reference to wisdom. Um, so now I'm curious. Like, I'm going to have to look that up, a turtle. Because the reality is they are slow, and they don't move. So there's something about their movement. They probably see a lot of stuff because a lot of stuff goes by them while they just moving slow. So okay. that, that, yeah, she, she was just talking about a turtle today. And I was like, a turtle? So okay. yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did not expect that turtle. <laughs> okay, a turtle. So what is your biggest screw up in the kitchen? Screw up? Yeah, mess up mistake, the biggest uh, one. Ooh, that looks heavenly. <laughs> um, screw up in Thank the you. kitchen. No I love salmon, and we're having salmon tonight. And um, I think it's important to know that you can overcook salmon. Mm -hmm. And um, I overcooked it. And my husband was like, this is dry, as dry, as dry can be. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, and the other thing I say is, I love fried chicken, but I don't do a good job of it. That's my husband's job. I'll season it, I'll clean okay. it, but he knows how to handle the chicken. Because he was like, the, the one and only time I fried some chicken, he was like, this is not, I was like, I know it's not your mama's. I'm not your mama. So <laughs> you can just go ahead and fix that. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> and so... Any fried chicken that comes at our house is, is fried by Mr. Randall. Fried by Mr. Randall, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, we're going to see what Chef did. I'm going to take a picture of this. I need to take a picture. See. Let me take a picture of this. Pretty. This is what we got from Chef. He's going to be up later on. But uh, we're going to see what it is, what, what it do, and make sure that it is, uh, uh -huh. it is not dry. It's not going to be dry. I can it's see dry. it's not going to be dry, <laughs> and it looks pretty awesome. So talking about that, what's the weirdest thing you have eaten? The weirdest thing you've ever eaten? I think everybody who has grown up in a black community knows about some chitlins. Um, okay. And I will still eat some chitlins. Okay. Um, and I don't care. You know, some people are like, yeah, you know. As you get older, certain foods you're not supposed to eat. I wait mm -hmm. till Thanksgiving, have my little small bowl of chitlins. Okay. I cannot get past anything that has a head on it. So, like, um, crawfish. Like, I can't. It's looking at me. I can't do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like the, the little so person. you don't eat you don't eat smoke whole catfish or nothing like that. I'll eat the catfish. Um, I'll eat a whole catfish with the head cut but off. But you gotta cut the head. Yeah, off. Okay. I, 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 it can't be looking at me. Okay. No food can look at me. So when they put the pig, the big pig, on the roaster and you that looks gone? lovely. But by the time it gets to my plate, I don't it's see like I don't see okay. a, a head. Okay, mm -hmm. I got you. Mm -hmm. All right, I understand. Mm -hmm. I got one or two more for mm -hmm. you. Some of these people are not gonna know some of this, but I gotta ask you, what is your all-time favorite Disney character? The bee, the bee, the bee. Um, hmm. You know, I just saw Space Jam, so I guess I'm just gonna go with uh, Donald Duck, the new legacy with um, um, LeBron James. So now, ain't that Donald Duck? Is is Donald is that Duck Disney? That looks, that's more like Warner Brothers, ain't it? That's not I don't Disney. See now, you know, I, I 
can't that potato potato. I don't know. Ah, okay. Right. Well, I was talking about Walt Disney. So Walt Snow White, Disney. you know, them type of So would it be like um, the Smurfs? Or was the Smurfs Disney? Well we'll just leave we'll leave you with uh we'll say your all time favorite character. Uh -huh. cartoon, cartoon character. character. Is we'll go with that. Daffy Duck. Yes. Okay. We'll yep. go with that. Yep. I'll leave it with that. All or right. Bug, or maybe it's Bugs, because he was the one that would say, be the bee the bee. That's all, folks. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> 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 yeah. It might okay. be Bugs. Mm -hmm. All right. Last yeah. one. Um, I'm, I'm trying to see which one of these two I want to ask you. And I think I'm going to go with this one. Last one. If you could meet anyone in this world today, who would you meet? Living or dead? We're going to say dead or alive. You can meet anyone in, in the world, dead or alive. Who would you meet? Um, I kind of will say Coretta Scott King. Um, okay. You know, some might say, well, why wouldn't she say Dr. Martin Luther King? But I think it takes um, a strong woman to allow her husband to do the work that he did. Um, so I'd be curious, like, what did you... What did you have to give up? You know, how did, how did that make you feel? Um, what sustained you um, to be able to be his wife um, and stand by him through, you know, a really crucial time in history? Um, I would love to just sit with her. And, and the other part is she's also a Sora of mine. Um, <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit, I'm sure, uh, about... Uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha that I'm a member of, but I just think like she just always was regal and thank you. Um, I don't know. She just seems like, you know, she was grace always, you know, always presented herself in such grace and yeah, Coretta Scott King. Okay, I like it. All right, let's move on. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I got to taste this. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to see what is going on. This is Chef George put this together for us today. So I, I got to go ahead and at least taste it because it's looking so good over it's here. It's looking pretty good. Man. What do we have? We have salmon here. We mm, have, mm, mm. Um, is that some kind of shrimp or something or a croquette? Mm -hmm. No, I'm going to have to let him tell you exactly what it is. But I know it's, it's some, some type of tomatoes and asparagus, and, and it ain't bad. Um, Chef George, oh, Chef George getting mic'd up, and he's going to come over here, and he's going to uh, speak to us and let us know uh, what he has. Um, as he's getting mic'd up and coming over and seeing how things are doing, I, I got to ask you just so they know us before we move forward. So what is it exactly that you do uh, career-wise? What, what career are you in? Um, I currently am the principal at Eugene Ware Elementary School um, here in Kansas City, Kansas Public Schools. Um, it's, it's hard to even believe that I'm entering my 19th year um, in the district, um, and the time has just flown by. 19 years, 18 years have flown by. Um, so I'm excited about um, our fall, you know, this school year. Um, coming out of the pandemic has been rough, but um, I think, you know, we're going to finally get to embrace our children again. I, I'm looking forward to that myself, mm -hmm. being able being back in the building. I'm a more hands-on relationship type of person, when you can see. Yep. 
So I'm, I'm excited about that. I got to ask, so what life experiences led you to embark upon a career in education? <laughs> um, some people um, see their career as something that they do. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's another love environment for me. Um, education kind of took me. It wasn't something that I chose. It certainly chose me. Um, interestingly, my, my bachelor's degree is in accounting. Um, I went to Tuskegee University, which is in Tuskegee, Alabama. Uh, you know, I, I brought a little bit symbolism of those golden tigers. Okay. Um, we gonna talk about that too. Yeah, and so I entered the field of corporate finance. Um, I worked um, as a financial analyst. Um, you know, my goal was to make a whole lot of money, um, and you know, I got a bug. I don't know, um, and it ended up. You know, there was a lot of different situations that occurred. Um, one being 9/11, uh, September the 11th turned my career perspective around. Um, at the time, I had a um, two-year-old, one-year-old, one I guess, uh, one-year-old, and I was a single mom working, uh, and then 9-11 happened, and the economy changed. I lost my job. Um, I moved back because I was living in Chicago, and I'm like, what in the world is, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and, you know, you go from making good money to making little money. Um, and so it certainly was like, you know, God had a different plan for me. Um, and so when I came back to Kansas City, I got another job working in corporate. Got laid off from that. You know, it was like, okay, I guess I'm not supposed to do this corporate thing. Um, I was working on my master's degree in business administration. And I took a job as the high school treasurer at Harmon High School, making pennies. <laughs> but again, God sustained me because all my bills were paid. I didn't have to worry, you know, as much as I thought, like, oh my God, how am I gonna do this? Um, the Lord sustained me. I was able to pay the bills. Um, me and my son, Colin, we, we still functioned. Um, and while I was working at Harmon, they talked about um, a program called The Fellows. Um, the fellows program through the school district um, invites people who have corporate degrees or other degrees that are not education um, to come in and teach um, in an urban school um, in some of the high needs subject areas. So I taught math, obviously, you know, I, I had an accounting degree. Um, and so my son was two. Um, when I started teaching, he was three. Let me take that back. Everything that I do now is like either before or after my son. He ends up being that that benchmark, but I can <laughs> tell you what I did before him and after him. Um, he was three when I started teaching. Um, I got my master's degree in curriculum and instruction as a part of the fellows program, and I haven't looked back. Like, just keep, keep rocking and rolling. So um, I guess, yeah. Education grabbed me. It was certainly not um, something that I sought out. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, we're going to circle back uh, a little bit with that. I see Chef George has uh, made it up here, so we're going to uh, invite him on now. Yum, yum. I'm going to invite him to come out. 
and talk a little bit about uh, the Urban Kitchen KC. That's what this is brought to us by today uh, from Chef George with the Urban Kitchen KC. So we're going to have an opportunity to speak with him for a second. This is awesome. It is good. And she loves salmon too, Chef George. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you like that. Glad to get you here. So, Chef. Yes. First. Uh, Tell us about the dish. We took pictures. We both took pictures. This okay, awesome. Looked, so the presentation awesome. was good. I gotta say that. Um, um, so tell us what what this dish is today. Man, it's just it's grilled salmon with uh, roasted Romano tomatoes, uh, a simple classic white wine reduction with pesto, and I garnished it with a rendition of onions, which is fried leeks. Um, I got this recipe when I was working. Uh, for Brio Tuscan Grill. Uh, I've always liked salmon. I've loved the setup. And uh, I just kind of added that into my repertoire. But what do you think, Ms. It's awesome. I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one of the questions we asked, you know, was asking about her, any of her uh, uh, mess ups in the kitchen. <laughs> and she said, you know, salmon, she cooked sometime it was too dry. So that was the first test that we had to test with yours. Was it, was it too dry? And it wasn't. So, so it, it passed the not dry test. Yep. One, one way you can prepare your salmon at home and not make it dry, um, if you can cook it in parchment paper, like take some parchment paper, put it in whatever vessel that you're going to cook it in, lay that salmon on top of that parchment paper. But you're going to need enough parchment paper so you can kind of fold it in, right? So what we're creating is an oven, which will steam the salmon, right? So we have our, our salmon, which is our protein. Add whatever aromatics you want to put up in there, citrus, lemon, mm -hmm. fresh thyme, fresh bait, whatever, whatever you want. You know, as, as flavorful as you want that to be. Uh, you can also throw some root vegetables in there, carrots, potatoes. Right? So you put all of these ingredients in this parchment paper, fold it up, place it in the oven on a low, low heat, nice and slow. Slow and low is always easy. Um, and, 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 just, and just let it and just let it do its thing. And uh, your, your salmon won't be dry. Uh, it usually will produce its own. Mm -hmm. Salmon is a fatty fish anyway. Mm -hmm. So when you're cooking it, it's going to produce its own liquid, right? Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to add a whole bunch of liquid. You can probably add a little bit of uh, some fish stock or some vegetable stock to that. Um, but the salmon itself is going to produce uh, a little liquid for you. And so you just kind of let it do that thing, do its thing. Again, like I said, we're, we're, we're creating an oven and we're creating uh, a sense of steaming. And uh, that's one way you can prepare your food at home with salmon and it won't come out so dry. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. So, it's a parchment paper. Yeah, parchment paper. That's the new one, because I usually just like mine some aluminum foil, add some um, lemon pepper on top of the salmon, and then just go and watch it. And be like, okay, 10, 15 minutes, you know, watch it again, and then it's like, we're good to go. Okay, another technique. Andre gonna be wondering where you got this from. You go home and put that parchment paper. <laughs> <laughs> Another technique to keep your food moist 
I learned this technique when I was working at Houston's down on the Country Club Plaza. Mm-hmm. They were really, really big on the preparation of their baby back ribs. So they're in a hotel pan, the ribs are, with whatever liquid was in there and liquid smoke or whatever. So right before they put it in the oven or the alto sham, they wrap with plastic, right? And then they wrap with aluminum foil. And then it goes into the oven. People think like, wow, man, won't that burn? Won't that melt? Right, right. Not, not even, not so even. So saran wrap, I could put that, that's the plastic yep. with the aluminum. Yes, okay. and it'll keep it, and again, okay. nice and slow and low on the heat. Okay. Slow and low is good. Yes. All right, once we add too much heat, cooks too fast. Right, right, right. That, that tends to bring up the temperature, mm-hmm. brings out all of the moisture, so slow and low okay. is the way to go. And... Uh, yeah, that technique is, is, is a pretty good technique to keep your product nice and moist. So, funny story. Um, my son, you know, when they little, mm-hmm. you know, you go out to eat, what do kids order? Chicken tenders. Chicken tenders, hamburgers. All the time. Hamburgers, right? right. So, my son, because I like salmon, he's two and three asking for salmon. And okay. people were like, what kid is this? <laughs> and I'm like... Because we eat salmon. We That's like good. salmon, you know. Um, and really, you And know, it's good in omega-3s and all of that. And so when he, you know, went off to college, he, I said, just buy you a bag of frozen salmon. Mm. And then when he knows how to cook That's awesome. salmon. And That's, I'm like, That's awesome. But it was so funny. Those people would be like, yeah. what three-year-old is asking for salmon? I'm like. That's awesome. <laughs> That's like my uppity kid. You didn't think you was gonna come here and get some tipping no, cooking tips. I didn't, I didn't know. Just, we got some cooking tips with Chef Jones. Yes. This is awesome. Chef. Thank you so much. Yes. Tell them where they can you know where you at, where they can reach you and I'm a new they want a meal like this, you know, produce Look, for them. You want a meal like this, all you need to do is reach out to me um, at George Sterling eighty four um, dot com. That's my email address. I am currently building my website as well as my brand. Uh, The name of my business is The Urban Kitchen, KCK. Um, Homegrown, Wyandotte County kid, Northeast. Um, Grew up right off 7th and Quindaro, played down on 3rd Street and Juniper Gardens. And, you know, I'm I'm just old school. So I just thought that I wanted to have a name that's going to represent where I come from. So the Urban Kitchen being here in the urban area. So tell me, is that with, um, what's the lady? Is that kids in the kitchen? Are they any connection? No. Okay. I'm my own, I'm my own LLC okay. and okay. I'm my own thing. Awesome. Um, but yeah, you can contact me at georgestrelling84 at gmail.com. Okay. Um, I have uh, a team that is currently building my website, working on my advertisement and marketing. Um, I have a business mentor right now, Mr. Ron Woods, who uh, did some work over here in KCK and uh, did some work for the government, uh, VA, as well as the Pentagon, contract work. And uh, because I am a disabled veteran, um, he is helping me to obtain as much resources as I can. Good for you. You know, uh, because I am a disabled veteran. And trying to obtain all of this uh, resources uh, through SBA, um, getting me certified as a a disabled uh, business entity. 
Um, and so uh, he, he has opened my eyes up to some bigger things because when I was thinking of doing my business, I was thinking small. And I, I meet this man and how I met Mr. Woods was his, his wife was ill, they weren't able to get out and so they needed someone to come in, prepare their meals for them. So I did that. We sat down, we wrote a menu out together for the whole entire week. I did all the grocery shopping, um, I prepared, I packaged, I delivered. And so one day, just out of the blue, he began to tell me about what he did. And he worked as a contractor for the VA in the Pentagon. And from there, I asked him, hey, would you like to be my business mentor? because I feel like I'm stalling. Mm -hmm. I think I have great product. I mm -hmm. think I have great presence. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think I'm a commanding force. Mm -hmm. yeah. I need some help. I feel like I can, I need to get over the hump. Can you help me? And you're like, I need to come out of retirement anyway. I need yeah, something yeah, to yeah. do. So yeah. he, he, he looked over my stuff and we sat down and we had a meeting and he said, Chef George, uh, I just want to let you know that I don't half-heartedly delve into anything. If, if, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to let you know. If it's, if it's a good product, I'm going to get in. And so I think you have a good product. It's a, a well enough product to bring me out of retirement to help you. And I almost had tears. You know, I almost shed a tears because I was like, okay, I think I'm about to get over the top. So um, that's where I'm at right now. And, and I, I cater. Um, Whatever the event is, I'm capable of catering up to 300. Um, I, I do private events. I do, uh, my last event was dinner for two uh, for this couple. I go into the home, prepare the meal, uh, make the whole entire house aromatic of everything that I'm cooking. We got candle lights. If there's no music, I'll provide music. And so me and my team, we go in, cook, serve, clean, disappear, and we try to provide a full restaurant experience in your home. So uh, that's what I do. That's a wonderful niche. Like it is. Your house. I also uh, <clears throat> assist with uh, senior citizens, those that don't uh, like the Meals on Wheels program. This is how I came in contact with Mr. Woods. Uh, I prepare. Um, you know, meals that are dietary uh, for their needs. Um, they don't like the Meals on Wheels. I don't like it either. <laughs> I, it, it, you know, look, there's a place for that. No. There's no place for me with that, all right? So fresh is best, fresh is always best. Yeah, you got so, these little sayings, man, slow and low, just stuff you pick up in the kitchen, working like in the kitchen, like you know, it's just like it. like kitchen it. slang, kitchen terminology, like you know, it. just working in the environment, you know, it's just, you know, jargon, you know, well, just like, like you working in the, in the school, you guys got jargon, so, yeah. uh, you know, that's my thing, and that's what I'm trying to do. Sounds great, the Urban Kitchen, KCK. You can reach uh, Chef George at George Sterling. 84. 84 at gmail.com. Gmail and you can also contact me at 913-351-7913. Again, that's 913-351-7913. There we go. All right. So, definitely. Uh, definitely yeah, there, there will be a call. Definitely, okay. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and we definitely uh, elated, hopefully, to have uh, Chef George come back another episode down the road uh, for us again. Absolutely. It'll be my pleasure. Uh, I appreciate I'm glad it, you sir. enjoyed the food. Please feel free to reach out anytime for whatever dietary need that you may have, a friend of yours might have, one of your relatives might need some assistance with some food and can't whatever. Here I am. Just give me a call. Homegrown and, and all of that. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thank you we so much. You. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> I, I'm happy to have Chef George on here, man. He's prepared several meals for us and I enjoy his cooking. And uh, I got to say, very good to me. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy what he had. I'm going to pour me up a little water. And uh, we're going to keep moving. I'm glad you liked it. I said I had a little, somehow a little birdie told me something about you liking salmon. So I thought that <laughs> we would uh, we would maybe prepare something of that salmon for you. I'm that glad birdie you did good. Did good? Okay. <laughs> All right. So as I move on to this next part, and we're going to keep moving with you, you know, I know you mentioned we're going to talk more about AK, but that's why we draped you in the little pink today and, <laughs> and a little green. Um, and then I know you said something, but you see the red over here, and you're kind of like, why is the red close to the pink? But I am a bulldog yeah. from Wanda. I'll give you that. Born and bred. So, you know, that's <laughs> where we. That's why I always have this, just to show true Wanda colors uh, for my bulldog. I've right. never known you not to represent anything related, anything other than Wyandotte Bulldogs. Oh, that's it. That's him. Once a bulldog, always a bulldog is what they say. <laughs> All right. So let's just uh, talk a little bit more as we move on. We're going to get back to um, the career, but we're going to go a little before uh, the career choice. So, let's talk. so where were you born? Um, KCK is home. Um, born and raised right here in the dot. Um, I went to Catholic school. Okay. Um, kindergarten to 12th grade. So um, that is the, the path my mother and my father chose. Um, sometimes I wish it was something different, but it is what it is. Okay. Um, and it provided, you know, some resources, some environments that helped uh, me as I got into my adult uh, career path. So um, I'm a graduate of Bishop Ward High School. Um, and and it's I'm a second generation actually, uh, Wardonian because my mother also graduated from Ward. Um, several family members, uh, cousins, aunts, um, which is surprising. Like people are like, black people went to Bishop Ward. Yeah, lots of black people went to Bishop Ward, but there was still they were still quite the minority. Um, but those families, um, one thing about Ward, there's lots of families, generational families, and. Um, so I went to Bishop Ward, um, but born and raised right here in the dot. Okay. So you walk Wanda County, mm -hmm. that's great. Go to church at 8th and Quindaro, like all of it, like straight, like <laughs> yeah. still a dot, for real, for real. <laughs> Good. I think that's great because a lot of our, uh, our listeners and our, our youth are from Wanda County, from here. So for them to uh, get an opportunity to see someone who is born and bred from here all the way uh, from here is great. And then also for them to see uh, a little different um, school path, you know, with the, uh, uh, with war, and it's just different. Because sometimes you are, there's a stigma like, oh, mm -hmm. black, I didn't know black people went to war. Right. So it is a stigma. So for them to see that, and that, I think it's great. Also that you can still be who you are. It is who I am. No matter 
no matter the school choice or where you come. And I will say, you know, uh, my best friend, she w went to Wyandotte, so trust and believe, I wanted to be a bulldog. Uh, mm -hmm. All of her friends went to Wyandotte, you know, it was like, but my mother was like, no, you're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> um, basketball games, I was right up in there, and Wyandotte, if more did have something going on. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, it is what it is. I, I have some love for the bulldogs. Cause, okay. Uh, one of my best friends was quite active, so. Okay. Yep. Quasi kept most most people, you know, they they got some type of love for the bulldog. Yeah. Even those who went to Sumner, they they got some <laughs> love for the bulldogs too. Well, you know, when you talk about, and I was sitting, you know, my dad went to Sumner High School, um, and that's such a difference than Sumner Academy. Academy correct. So when we talk He's a about right, right, he is right. a Spartan. Um, so when we talk about that, you know, relationship of Sumner and Ward, or Sumner and Wyandotte, mm -hmm. you know, in the 60s, you know, they'll be quick to say Sumner ruled. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, I wasn't in the 60s. I right. was in the, you know, I came up in the 70s and on. So, you know, what about them Bulldogs? My dad's like, mm, it's all about them Sparks. Okay, mm. yeah. <laughs> and I never question because I, I, I understand. <laughs> <clears throat> because the history that they've gotten and what they represented and what they did for the community was a wonderful thing mm -hmm. back then. So, so you mentioned both your mom and dad. So let's talk just a little bit. Can you describe your relationship with your mom growing up? Um, my mother is amazing. Um, my parents were um, they were married for about ten years. Um, I was about five when they uh, separated. So, um, for the most part. Um, my mom, it was just my mom and I. Uh, my mother didn't have any more children, so I grew up as an only child. Um, some people might say, spoiled brat, maybe, I don't know. I just know um, whether I had a sibling or not, I was blessed, my mother worked hard, she worked multiple jobs to provide for me. Uh, my dad, he remarried and had more children. Um, I count them as my brothers and sisters as well, love them dearly. Um, but there's an age gap, and you know, now that we're adults, it's nice to have that relationship, because growing up, you know, they were doing their thing and I was doing mine. Um, but my mother, she's amazing. She still works every day, 40 hours plus, you know. She's in mm -hmm. her 70s. Uh, my dad, he still works every day. Um, and I, I, I'm always asking him, you know, don't you want to retire? And he's like, just give me two more years. And he said <laughs> two more years for the last, 10, Ten years. years. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, you happy, I'm happy. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So, describe the relationship with your dad after the separation. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, probably the first couple of years. You know, as I said, my parents um, separated when I was about five. Um, you know, it's hard to even think about what that was because really honestly my dad and I didn't really start to have a relationship until I went away to college okay. um, that was about when I started to put in an effort to go and visit with him um, but I can remember you know five six seven years old he loved to swim loved to swim my dad was a fish is a fish you know if ever there's a pool he's all in that water um, and at one point he lived in Topeka uh, Kansas and I remember as a kid, you know, going and visiting with him in Topeka, and every um, lunch break, he would come home, 
you know, back in the day, you know, you could be five, six, seven at a home by yourself. You probably shouldn't be, but I was a pretty responsible kid. Um, he'd come home on the break, um, the, the lunch break, we go in the pool, and then he'd be like, okay, I'm going back to work. Uh, and that's what we did. And that, those are the things that I remember about my dad. Like, he loved to swim. He, he loved to be in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, but then probably about eight, nine, um, things just kind of faded, you know. He, he took on a new family, um, and so things just kind of faded. And, you know, it's all good. I, I, can't, I can't knock any of that um, because, you know, it came full circle. I, I couldn't – I think I'm an educator because of my dad. Okay. Um, he taught at Bishop Ward, interestingly, um, okay. in the early, early 70s. Um, but he didn't think he was a good teacher, so he only did it for about two, three years. Um, and so he still works in social work. Um, so I think, you know, maybe I'm a teacher because of him. Yeah. Okay. Talk a little bit about your grandparents. They, uh, they, play, they, they were just amazing. Um, my, my dad's parents... Um, they probably were married for 40, 50 years. I don't know how old they were, but um, they had seven kids and they hung in through and through. Interestingly, my grandmother um, was an only child. Um, my, my dad's mom, Janetta, she was an only child. She had seven kids. So I guess she didn't want to be alone. She you know, kind of felt like, I want more kids. I don't want them to have that same experience of being by mm-hmm. themselves. Um, but they, they grew up on, or they, my dad and um, my dad and my grandparents' house was on Water Street, Water Street. So if um, uh, Chef George was talking about um, Juniper Gardens down on Third Street, well, if you keep going further, the street past first is called Water. <laughs> and so um, they, my, my dad still owns the property. Uh, on Water Street, um, and they were just—they were just a great group. They—they loved Jesus. They loved, um, you know, their family. They raised all their kids. They raised grandkids. So that's my dad's uh, grandparents. So I guess when I wasn't having a relationship with my dad, my grandparents certainly filled in. Um, okay. And then my mom's uh, parents. Uh. They were great because they were there every day, all day, especially my grandmother. She truly was, you know, when you are a single mom, you have this village that, you know, kind of supports. So my grandmother was always the person who picked us up from schools or um, when my mother had to work extra jobs, I was at her house. Uh, My grandfather, by the time I can really recall, he was disabled. Um, So he wasn't the happiest man um, growing up, you know. And my mom, on occasion, gets really upset about that because she's like, I wish you had happy memories. And I'm like, I don't have happy memories of Grandpa because he was just angry, you know? And he was angry because he was disabled and not able to do um, for himself. Um, But I hear great memories from my mom about him. And um, they both were just family people. They believed in taking care of their village. So they were awesome. Well, I appreciate you speaking about it. You know, <clears throat> I ask these questions because sometimes our listeners, our students need to know uh, the relationships that people have and the things that they've been through with their family are similar to some with them. The separation of your parents, the uh, 
the disabled grandfather, the mm -hmm. different, but you still had a, a net a network of people around uh, that helped you push you toward where you are today. So a lot of our listeners and young ones need to know that, that, you know. When you asking questions that's gonna bring some emotion, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna try not to cry on this camera. <laughs> well, I don't mean to bring too many emotions, that's why I told it's you It's good, good emotions, but still. But it's okay, mm -hmm. you know, because then our, our, our listeners need to understand that too. Mm -hmm. So it's okay, and it's okay to cry. That's one thing, I, you know, I, I work with, you know I work with a lot of chronic kids. I tell them, man, it's okay. It's okay. You know, sometimes you sometimes that's the best thing you need mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to get it out. So, and it's okay to have emotions and show emotions. So, this we we talked a little bit about the school. We went to Catholic school. You know, as we're moving, going through. Did you what talk about some of the activities and sports or not sports that okay. you were you did in school? Um, <clears throat> so in middle school, um, I did volleyball, basketball, softball. I was all about the sports. Um, if you know my dad, mm -hmm. he loves some basketball. Loves it. <laughs> he loves some basketball. And, um, and he was excited, you know, like he's yelling and screaming in the stands at every basketball game. And then I got to ninth grade and I was like, I don't want to play basketball, dad. And it about broke his heart. <laughs> but honestly, I was just like, I don't need you yelling and screaming in the stands, you know, a coaching from, you know, the stands when I'm supposed to be listening to my coach. And I kind of laugh because I think I'm that down for my kids. So, <laughs> so I'm like, I need to tone that down, you know, um, <laughs> because I feel like I'm that down. But um, when I got to high school, um, I was on, you know, I turned and my dad said, oh, you turned into a girly girl. And I'm like, okay, dad. So, you know, dance team. Um, honor Row, Honor Society, um, Peer Mentor, uh, Peer Mediation, I should say, which was, you know, basically, like nowadays, um, some of the kids might call it kind of like a restorative circle, kind of okay. club, okay. Um, but we were like peer mediators, like we helped talk about issues and how to resolve that. Um, so yeah, uh, okay. that was kind of what I did. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a, a, a most influential teacher or, or someone that? Um, you know? I think I, I call myself blessed because I got to go to the same school from kindergarten to fifth. Okay. Six, seven, eight, went to a different school. Nine to 12, went to a different school. I know that um, children don't have that experience. Um, and so, Whoever is that to you, every year is critical for kids. Every year, because you could be the difference. Mm -hmm. um, because they may be going to a different school next year, and they will be able to remember and hear what Miss Randall said. Um, so interestingly, there's probably two. Um, I could tell you, I could almost tell you every teacher I had from preschool on up. Oh. <laughs> which is really funny, I guess, because I like school. I like school. Um, but Miss Vaughn, um, Reverend Vaughn, Jack Vaughn's wife was my preschool teacher. Um, she was amazing. I can remember her, you know, and, and the love we had. Um, I see her now, and my son always says, you turned into, like, a big old baby. Like, what in the world just happened? So Miss Vaughn was amazing. Um, Sister Susan um, was this very stern 
uh, nun that I had from kindergarten to fifth grade. Um, but she ultimately was my favorite because she just was like, I believe in you. I know you can do. She spanked me because those were the days that they had paddles. And if you didn't do what they said, they whoop your butt. And mm-hmm. then they send you home and you get whooped again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, middle school, kind of a, a, no one really particular. I mean, I had some key teachers. Um, and then high school, not, not necessarily, but I would say those that, that foundation, preschool, kindergarten, just really set me on a, a pathway of success because they believed. Uh, the Catholic school I went to in kindergarten to fifth was predominantly black. I'm not even going to say predominant, predominant. It was all black. There were no white children. I don't recall ever a white child, Hispanic child, um, mm-hmm. in my elementary school. And we they just instilled in us like you can you will we expect um and 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 again sister susan was a white woman but she was the principal and she believed like you black child will do you will be successful um we expect you to be um so yeah sister susan probably Mm -hmm. would be the person i think most about yeah so let's talk now we're leaving high school uh, and you're making uh, a decision now uh, to college, to attend college. Um, and we talked about Tuskegee. Uh, talk about the choice uh, to go to Tuskegee. So I, I, I knew about Tuskegee for a while because my dad, <clears throat> he attended Tuskegee for a little bit. So he's always said that I uh, took a trip down there to see Tuskegee. So I, I know and then some people always said Tuskegee Airmen, you know, so it's always big. But I knew a little bit about Tuskegee from that. So tell me what, um, t- tell me how you got to Tuskegee. Yes, yes, yes. So um, as I mentioned, elementary school was all black. So always a historic, you know, our, our history was always being told to us. Um, I get to middle school and it's more diverse. Um, and I've just like, I missed that passion about being black and being proud. So then I get to Bishop Ward and you know, now I'm a minority. Um, and I still was like, are we having a black history program? Are we doing anything related to black history? And they were like, nah, we ain't doing that. And I said, well, can I do that? <laughs> you know, and I think they, they told me yes, because they knew that I came from a family that was generational. So they couldn't dare say no. <laughs> but that also let me know I, I miss being around my own. Um, so um, I applied to Tuskegee, I applied to Southern. Um, for those who are from the area, went to Harmon. Uh, Norvin Daniels, uh, who was the band director at Harmon for years, he's a family friend of ours. And he, of course, was like, in my ear, you're going to Southern, you're going to Southern. And um, I went to visit, they laid out the red carpet. Um, it felt like family, cause I had some, you know, family, well I should say I had the Norvin Daniels family that would have taken me on. Um, but it was big, like Southern was, you know, 10,000 students, it was just big. Um, I went to Tuskegee in Alabama and everybody, I kid you not, they don't know, you, you, could, you truly are strangers, but they speaking, you know. Uh, I'm walking up and down campus, and everybody I walked past was like, hi, hi. And I'm like, who does that? <laughs> who, why are they so friendly? Um, 
And I just was like, I'm gonna go here because I feel like it's small enough and big enough. Um, it's about two hours from Atlanta. So I had family that lived in Atlanta. So it wasn't like I was just in Alabama, um, away from, away from family. Um, but really it was like, Ward was good for me because it helped me see a different perspective um, as a black person, um, managing and processing what it means to work with people who don't look like myself. Um, but Tuskegee just was like, I gotta go back to be with my people. And again, I get there and they, they saying the same thing. You can, you will, um, it's an expectation. Um, it was the best four years. Um, I would do them four years over and over and over. <laughs> they were good okay. four years. Okay. Um, I came out okay, you know, I did all right. Um, but yeah, it, and it's, it is a country town. So you either like it or you don't, because it's, it's kind of country. It's a little small. Yeah, yeah it it's a little country. Um, they think we country, but they country. Oh, my God. <laughs> Alabama, you know, it's, it's yeah. pretty country. And it's, you know, if you ever get to visit Tuskegee, it's about 20 minutes from Auburn University, which is um, huge, you know, SEC, powerhouse, football. You know, that was another culture shock, going to school in the South. You don't understand, Kansas is about basketball. Uh, SEC, all that, they about football. Um, you know, I remember on my first day or two there, there was a football player that came up, you know, everybody's posturing. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, he's a senior. And he's like, no, I'm 18. And I'm like, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. no, nope, nope, nope. Like, you're huge. <laughs> and, um, the football players in Kansas don't look like you. You know, it just, I was blown away. The whole football experience, the whole band experience. Um, we're still in the U.S. of A., but you know, geographically, things are different. Um, mm -hmm. And um, it was great. I tell everybody, go to HBCU. Okay. Um, so for our listeners who don't know what that means, what does HBCU mean? Um, HBCU means a historically black university um, or college. Um, at one point, there was, in history, you know, there was well over 150, 175 HBCUs um, over, over time. Um, they've closed, consolidated, um, but Tuskegee was founded by Booker T. Washington. Um, okay. When we talk about economic empowerment, interesting, yeah. um, he believed that black folks need to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Um, he had some, you know, he was controversial because, you know, he had a different look and understanding about how people, black people can make progress. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, he was amazing because he put, he built Tuskegee with his own hands, you know, community of uh, people in Tuskegee. He was a Hampton University alumni. Um, Hampton is another HBCU. Um, it's located in Virginia. And, um, you know, I, I could talk all day about Tuskegee because there's lots of history and they always make you as a freshman go into this um, freshman orientation class and read these books. And, and I also like history, so that might be another part of it. But, um, yeah, there's lots to tell about Tuskegee. So Tuskegee wasn't your first choice. 
Yeah, it was. It was your first choice? It was, yeah. Okay, so Southern was someone else's first right. choice. That was right, pushing, right. But right. Tuskegee was your right. choice. So you did go to the school right. of your choice. I did. Great. I did. And, Great. And, and it was always a question mark as to Tuskegee was more expensive than Southern. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, those individuals who were in my ear about the cost, I was like, well, are you paying for it or am I? <laughs> you know? Yes. And... They kind of was like, okay, I'm going to leave you alone. Um, but yeah, Tuskegee, I visited Bradley University, um, which is in Peoria, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a up-and-coming techie school and, you know, stuff that, you know, back then they had one-to-one devices in the um, dorm rooms. You know, we talk about these kids with these one-to-one devices in high schools and middle school and elementary Um you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. I'm dating myself. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, but Peoria was a pretty, um, what, I'll put it like this. They call it a PWI, which is a pre- predominantly white institution. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't feel like home. So I, I had three schools on my radar, and um, I picked Tuskegee. Picked Tuskegee. Okay. So <clears throat> a couple questions about your college. Uh, I'm, I'm getting to the pink. I'm getting over there. But uh, t- talk to me about, um, describe college life. D- describe that so for, so our listeners can understand what typical college life and, uh, is about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about independence. Um, you either want it or you don't. Um, you go to school and you are successful, um, however that success looks like. And so I will be honest and say, um, my first semester, my first semester, I did pretty good academically until finals and messed up and had my algebra class. I I thought it was at 10 o'clock, my final. It was at eight o'clock. I show up at 10 o'clock and the professor is like, you were supposed to be here at eight. I was devastated. Like, I think I did everything pretty good this first semester. And that kind of, that threw me off. But um, after I, um, I came home for the, sem- or for the, the break, the, the professor said, I see that you just made a mistake. You can take the final when you come back, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but for the most part, I did pretty good. You know, um, that first semester, second semester, I did pretty good. Like I, you know, and when I say pretty good, in high school, I was a three, two, three, four, you know, GPA type student. College, you know, I hovered around a three, sometimes a little bit less than a three, um, but I still feel that you know I was pretty successful. There surely were people around me who were very studious, probably more so than I. Um, who were doing the three, four, and five GPAs. Um, But it was, Tuskegee was just different because, um, or really college in general, it's an opportunity for you to be independent and you have to know, um, you have to know yourself. You will quickly learn, like you are responsible for getting up, um, you're responsible for studying. You're responsible for planning when you're going to study. You're responsible for planning when you're going to party. <laughs> uh, mm. 
you're responsible. And, you know, your parents kind of just, they pray. You know, my mother was like, I just pray that you would be safe um, and that you would bring home good grades. And, you know, for the most part, she was like, you did okay. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know. So nobody's waking you up in the morning telling you it's time nobody's to get up. Nobody's waking dinner. you up. No. Yeah. Nobody and, telling you to go home, go to sleep. Nope. You know those things. Nope, nope, nope. And, you know, I will be honest and say, um, if you go to historically black college, you don't always have the nicest of things um, as the predominantly white institutions. So, for example, I lived in Whitehall, which was the oldest dormitory on campus. It was built by the original students of Tuskegee University. It had no air. We talking about Alabama heat, which is a different kind of heat than the Kansas City heat. Uh, It had no air. Um, But I had those fabulous things called box fans that I just put up in the window. That was my air conditioning. and, you know, so those little things were just character. Like, you have to persevere when things aren't quite what you're used to. Yeah, at home I had air and I had heat, you know, running water, uh, all that good stuff. I had running water at Tuskegee too, but uh, the bathroom wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't masterful. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it wasn't masterful. And it was one of the, it was the oldest dormitory on campus. So we talking, Tuskegee was founded in 1881. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whitehall was every bit of 1881. Crickety, crickety, and um, old radiator heat. I mean, but, mm-hmm. you know, I laugh. Like, you know, my roommates and others, we all about, you know, like we're in our own little sorority called Whitehall just because we know what we endured mm-hmm. living in Whitehall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Now, you brought up sorority. Talk to me about Greek life and, and, and pleasure. Um, First, let me ask you this before you mm-hmm. tell me about Greek life. Mm-hmm. What made you pledge AKA? Um, I mentioned uh, Norvin Daniel, mm-hmm. well, his wife, Linda. Um, as I said, you know, they were family friends, close family friends, church members. Um, Linda was an AKA. Um, there's another lady, Linda Hall, um, for those who are familiar with Reggie Hall, who's a um, doctor. Um, I, I see you not, and so you probably yeah. know their kids. Um, so Linda Hall and he Linda Dick. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, they were church members of mine. And so, you know, I wanted to just epitomize all the things that they do and all the things that they were about. And they were educators. Again, you know, I didn't realize that they planting seeds in me to become an educator, um, too. but. You know, they were graceful, they were kind, um, and I just was like, I want to do that too. I want to be a part of that, you know. I didn't join in um, in undergrad. I joined as a graduate member. Um, and some people don't recognize or understand that in a historically black um, Greek uh, letter organization, you can become a member after um, graduating from college. Um, so when I moved back here to Kansas City, um, I joined Beta Omega, which is um, chartered out of Kansas City, Missouri. Um, and I've been um, 21 years, 21 years, um, 20, 22 years. Let me take that back. 22 years uh, okay. a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, AKA has a lot of history in Kansas City. 
Um, our founders, one of our founders, Beulah Burke, uh, taught at Sumner High School. Um, there is another um, founder, and I'm, I'm forgetting her name, um, also was very active in establishing um, chapters here in Kansas City. So uh, the chapter that I belong to is the second oldest graduate chapter in the history of the sorority. Um, last year, we celebrated 100 years. Um, so there's a lot of AKA history in Kansas City because of our founders, you know. Uh, Beulah Burke was from St. Louis, so there's a lot of AKA history in St. Louis. Um, yeah, it's, AKA is a real thing, you know, and we rocking and rolling, and of course our vice president is now Kamala Harris, and we are really excited uh, about, you know, her being another woman of intelligence, you know, high expectations, you know, she, she's superseding, you know, whatever, you know, the, the ceiling she's breaking through. Um, and we, of course, hope that more will come. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock Delta, Sigma, Gamma, Rose, Zeta, Phi, Beta. Those are the other um, Greek-led organizations. We are a sisterhood and we support one another in the efforts of service um, here in the Kansas City community. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, some of my best friends are Deltas or Sigma, Gamma, Rose. So um, it's all about the work and giving back to your community. Okay. So for our, our youth, our audience, um, before we move on, explain what Greek life is. What Greek, just explain that just a little bit so they can understand what that is. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, whether it's a fraternity or sorority, the premise is around community service. Okay. That is really what the premise is around. So we're volunteering um, as tutors. Um, we're volunteering. One of our um, programs that we're working on is um, CAP, which is basically helping young people, high schoolers, be prepared for college applications, um, getting that college um, financial aid. So, you know, we're mentoring them in those efforts to prepare for college. Um, Beta Omega also has a debutante ball, and it, so there is some, you know, some people would say there is, you know, um, it's a ball. I don't know how else to explain it, but it's young ladies who are presented to the community uh, in hopes that they too will aspire to be leaders in our community. Um, they do a waltz and they have a big ball dress and um, it's a big deal. Um, and that's what AKA does. Um, but ultimately the big part is it's service. That's what you first should be walking in saying, okay, I'm here to work, to be about the work of service. But then, you know, you get to step and um, be a part of step shows and um, you make noise, you know, you ski wee as an AK or uh, you oop as a Delta. I don't know if I should have said that or not, but you know, there's a sound and the same thing with um, um, the fraternities, you know, they have their various noises and symbols, um, but it, it's a network. That's I thought, another. I thought I was going to see you put your mirror up and all oh, that. No, no, no. <laughs> um, you know, today I did bring um, this is a, and this is an old version because mm -hmm. um, I became a member in 1999. So this is a history book um, when I became a member. Um, as I said, we are now 100 years old, and I've been in 22 years, um, and we have some new publications of our history book. Um, I just brought some paraphernalia, you know, it's a cute okay. sweater that I wear on occasion. Um, okay. But 
I also have a bracelet that I wear. I carry it with me, uh, and I carry both. I, I brought both. I brought Tuskegee and I brought AKA because I will never forget Tuskegee. Um, it, it certainly grounded me for greatness. Um, so is my college ring, and of course, AKA is just near and dear. Um, I have three boys, and so they always laugh like, uh, you go into that girly stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I need that girly stuff because I got three boys at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So as we went to college, you, you mentioned it before, but tell us again your major in college. Um, I got a degree in accounting, my bachelor's degree in accounting. Um, I have a uh, master's in business administration from um, St. Mary's University, which is in Leavenworth. I have a master's in curriculum and instruction from Pittsburgh State University, which is in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Um, and I have an education specialist degree from UMKC, um, and that's in um, administration in order for me to come, uh, become a principal. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we, you kind of hit it before. I'm just going to go back on it because um, mm -hmm. I want to get into this, the education part of it. Uh, but you started um, in corporate America, mm -hmm. uh, working. You talked about 9-11, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. coming back. Uh, and then you started as a, a um, treasurer, mm -hmm. Harmon. So let's pick it up at Harmon uh, as a treasurer. So now you're a treasurer. So you as a treasurer, you went from treasurer to principal now. Yeah. So how did, how did that journey yeah. come? Like yeah. what moved you from the treasurer's treasurer. desk? Right. Um, <laughs> God, that's, what, that's really <laughs> what it is. Um, because as I mentioned, 9-11 hit and the economy just kind of fell out jobs, people were getting laid off, so, um, and I didn't really know what, because I didn't know what I was going to do next, because I was starting to think, maybe this business thing is not what I'm supposed to do. Um, one of the companies I work for, um, we did a financial literacy program, and I got to go to Quindaro Elementary School as a volunteer and talk about financial literacy and how to balance your checkbook, and I loved it. I look forward every week to going into that building and visiting with those students. Interesting, I go to Quindaro. My youngest sister was not in the class that I was volunteering, but she was in the next class. Um, and, you know, people would ask me, like, um, you got the same last name as the girl over there? And I'm like, yeah, that's my little sister. Um, we're 20 years apart, and yeah, my, my youngest sister and I are 20 years apart. But anyway, so that was where the bug started, was me doing that volunteer um, efforts. Again, I'm saying AKA was about service. Um, here was an opportunity for me to provide that um, from my biz the, the company I was working for at the time. Um, and then I got laid off from that company. Um, I got laid off twice. Uh, from Xerox was the first one, and then I got laid off from HNTB, HNTB. Uh, Howard oh, Needle. Close. I was going to start there. You were saying HNIC. Huh? <laughs> H, and I always have to correct my HNTB. And it's a huge architecture firm here okay. in Kansas City. Um, and when they laid me off, I had a little bit of severance money, and, you know, my son was about three, two, three years old. I was like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to do something else. And I didn't know what that was. And I had enough money that 
as I said, you know, God sustained me. So I said, well, let me go work at the, at the high school um, as a treasurer. I can do that, you know, I can do that. I kept working on my master's degree um, in business, and I kept saying, oh, no, I'm going to go back in, in the corporate world. And um, the principal, um, I forget his name, he's a little short Hispanic man, he said, Reels? you would read. No, it wasn't Rios, because Mr. Rios was at Argentine. Okay. Mm. Oh, it was another little guy, I can't remember his name, but um, he's like, you would be great teacher. Um, And he said it because I didn't have, I wasn't afraid of kids. Like, they would come in and give me a hard time, and I give it right back to them. Um, (laughs) And he said, I need you to be a sub, (laughs) because you don't have a problem having a conversation with kids. Mm. And I was like, okay. I also met my husband at Harmon. Um, he was a para. Um, he worked in the life skills classroom, which are students who um, have some pretty severe handicaps. Um, so I think, you know, I guess I was supposed to be at Harmon. That was the time I was supposed to be there. And, um, and he had a heart of gold, because, you know, uh, the children, he, he expected nothing but the best from those who you would think don't have much. Um, those kiddos had so much personality. They were pretty hilarious. Um, so I applied to the fellows program. Again, Mr. Daniels was telling, he was in my ear like, yep, yep, you need to do that too, Monica. Um, and the district at the time paid for that master's degree. Uh, and that was probably the biggest selling feature. Like, oh, you're going to pay for my education? I can do that. Mm-hmm. You're going to mm-hmm. pay for the education and you're going to pay me to teach. I can do that. Um, and I applied, went through a pretty rigorous interview process. Um, I grew up, I've grown up a couple places, I'll say that. My mom, you know, she's single, single mom, so we moved a little bit around the Northeast area. Um, and at one point, I lived in the townhouses across from Quindaro Elementary School. Um, and. I never went outside to play because I was afraid of the kids. Like, I was like, they're going to tease me because I go to a Catholic school or uh, they're just going to give me a hard time. So I seldom ever went outside. Um, my guy brother went to Northwest um, and he, he had some struggles. Um, and we would have to go and visit and help and support because he was going through his struggles. Um, and then the summer, we have a summer institute is all several months where we learn teaching techniques and how to plan. Um, And that summer, it was at Northwest. And I was afraid of Northwest Middle School. I was afraid, like, these kids are rough. I'm not going to be able to do it. OMG. And, um, but I I came away from that telling my mom, they're going to assign me to Northwest Middle School. And she was like, really? I was like, yeah, because God is going to make me face my fear and be productive and give those kids everything I got. And when it was time to hand out our job placements, uh, Ms. Lori Boyd, who was over the fellows program, she said, well, Monica, are you interested in your placement? I was like, wherever I go, it's gonna be okay. And she's like, really? You're not worried? I was like, nope. And she said, you, you're not worried about your placement? I said, no, Ms. Boyd, I'm not worried. I said, because I think I'm going to be right here. And she was like, yeah, you're going to be right here at Northwest Middle School. And I was like, see, I already just kind of knew it. Um, That was the best five years. You know, when I talk about going back to college and doing four years all again, all over again, I would 
I would teach at Northwest Middle School all over again. Um, those were the best five years. Um, under her leadership. Um, she was a good leader. Yeah. I, I learned a lot from uh -huh. her, too. It was just she like, was. it was seamless. Like, I, yeah, there was one kid that I was afraid of, one. Okay. And I learned real quick how to massage her. <laughs> you know, I massaged her. Um, I, I had a whole lot of tasks that I gave her. I called home a lot. Um, and then after a month of school, she kind of calmed down because she was running it. That little girl was running my classroom. And I was like, no, no, no. You cannot run this room. Um, but I would, I would do Northwest Middle School over any and every time. So Northwest, then I went to Arrowhead for a couple of years. Um, I became an instructional coach. So that's someone who helps teachers get better. And then I was an assistant principal um, at New Chelsea Elementary School. I'm back in the Northeast area. So you didn't want to mention the Arrowhead? I did. I said Arrowhead. I said I left Northwest. But you just blew past. I couldn't let you just blow past. I, I couldn't let you blow past that. I couldn't just let you smooth past. <laughs> um, I, yes, I, I taught. I was at Arrowhead six years, six, seven years. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Arrowhead was good. Yes, Coach Mo. Yes, Arrowhead was good. Those who don't know, that's where I met you. Yes. I yes. met you at Arrowhead. We worked together. Yes. Then, so. <laughs> that's why I brought that. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and then um, I became an assistant principal when I was at New Chelsea Elementary. Mm -hmm. um, that was with great years in New Chelsea. And um, then I was at Hazel Grove for a year. And now, you know, I'm at Eugene Brand. Um, I will be, this fall will be my fifth year. Um, as the principal. Okay. So tell me something. What advice would you give someone who is pursuing a career in education, in public education? Mm. Um, there's a, there's a, don't, don't be afraid that the kids will break your heart because they will. That was rough. Yeah. I know. They will break your heart. They'll give you everything yeah. they got. But they, they will break your heart. I, I have one. Um, mm -hmm. I've experienced that. Mm -hmm. um, and I see but, it from a good place. Like, they will yeah. break your heart because you will put so much in them, mm -hmm. and they won't know how to accept that. Right. They won't know because they haven't been taught Correct. how to accept that. Correct. Um, they will... They will shine and they'll grow up and you'll be like, uh, you were crazy in middle school and now mm -hmm. you have these now children. You, you, yeah. um, so, you know, it's really neat to see my children, my students um, have their kids and I'm like, okay, you doing, I'm doing better than what I did, Miss Randall. Okay, that's, mm -hmm. all, that's all I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, but be, but be willing to be your authentic self because they read through all of that. And, and I'm be honest with you, it's called BS. Uh, they read through that, mm -hmm. you know. So be honest with them. Um, if you don't know, you don't know. Um, I say this all the time. Mm -hmm. Kids have the best BS meter in the <laughs> world. Yep. Oh, they know who's genuine, who's not. Uh -huh. So just be uh -huh. yourself. You uh -huh. right. Uh -huh. Be yourself. Yeah. Um, and just be willing to, you know, not have a whole lot of money sometimes because you're going to give your last dime to them when you know they really need it. Mm -hmm. 
and you're gonna have you're gonna you're gonna meet great people who are in the same profession doing the same work um, wanting the same best for the kids um, yeah 20 years in going or I should say 19 years and hey it's the best job every day yeah so can you share a story with us and um, we, we wrapping it up we getting kind of to the end um, but can you share a story with us uh, of a lesson that um, let's see that was taught to you by one of your youth my student yeah because I, I can I, I know one thing for me so I always ask someone else this you know people don't think that when you're in education that, that you're learning too mm -hmm. and sometimes your students or your players are the ones who taught you some lessons and things that you pick up so I like to ask all the time when it's like you got a story of a lesson that you were taught by one of your youth? There's a lot of stories. Uh, you know, you can't be a good educator if you don't have a whole lot of stories. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you wasn't doing something right if you ain't doing it. If you don't have a whole lot of stories. Um, One thing that I learned, um, you know, I taught math. Um, I didn't know what it meant to be illiterate until I had um, non-English speakers in my room. Sometimes, you know, we'd be like, oh, he can't read. You know, I, I just couldn't envision a black child not being able to read. Um, it just didn't dawn on me, but it clicked when I had um, a non-English speaking child show up in my room one day and I gave him a book in Spanish. Like, I'm like, okay, well he can read that. I know we got this language barrier thing going on, but he can read it in Spanish and then we can do this work. He couldn't read it in Spanish. That's when it clicked for me what it meant to be illiterate in English. So, I, 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 that, that, you know, that was jarring to me. Um, there were many times that, uh, there was a couple times we adopted families at Christmas, um, and it was out of my own pocket, and to see the, the smiles on those kids' faces uh, when they had something to open on Christmas, it was like, I did that, and I didn't, you know, it was nothing. You know, I was like, okay, I'll just do it. And God's gonna take care and provide for my own. You know, he'll figure it out because these clearly don't have. Um, and so those relationships, to hear those kids now with their families and being successful um, made it all the best. Like that was, I was supposed to do that. Um, you know, but then it's also like, I can think, I have a little boy who now attends Eugene Ware and, um, his dad was one of my students. Um, and I remember he would stay after school all the time. And I was like, you really got this. Like, you really got this. And, um, but he stayed after school all the time. Um, so much so that his mom accused me of having something inappropriate. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Nope, 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 nope. Um, and so I had to talk to the, the principal um, talked to the PE teacher and really unfortunately what I learned was he was trying to find a safe place for himself be between the hours of three and five 
because his mom would get home around 5.30, so if he left the school at 5, it was enough time, but it was a safe place for him to be for those two hours. Um, and so once we understood what that was about, um, he still came after school, you know, whatever it was, if, if he needed help with his math, we finished that. If he needed help with English, the English teacher down the hall made a point. Um, if he was done with all that, we sent him to the gym to work um, and, you know, shoot hoops or whatnot with the PE teacher. Like, we just had to figure out what it was. You know, kids will tell you, I'm fine, but the reality is they're not, you know. And he, fortunately, he wasn't, um, he wasn't showing any aggressive behavior. It just was like he was just around. We was like, dude, go home. Go home, you know. Um, so, you know, sometimes when they say they're fine, they're not. Um, but they don't really, again, know how to articulate or, or trust you to tell you really what's going on. Um, but then you got to be willing to do something with that and not just send them home because he's clearly telling you. Uh, I don't want to be home before 5 o'clock. You know, I'm going to just be wandering the streets from 3 to 5. Um, and so, you know, outreach of programs and things because um, the kids ain't going to always tell you. You know, their actions will tell you something's wrong, but they're not going to say I don't have nothing to do, and I don't feel safe going home, you know. And um, so I always just ask more questions, you know, or I, oh, I know what you're doing, um, you know. Too many, it's relationships, yeah, it's yeah. relationships. But trust, there's plenty, 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 plenty stories. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So we get into our last couple of questions. Before we do, one of them is, I know that they just came back and they um, have heard that, uh, going back into school, we're required to wear masks. The students are required to wear masks when we go in. So we wanted to make you a gift uh, of one of our uh, the Club masks. Very good, very good. <laughs> so we wanted to make sure that we gave you that. All right, very good. For today. You know, I'll coordinate, you okay. know, as, uh, as you I can see. Right? I understand that it has red in it, but once again, mm -hmm. I always represent my bulldogs, and that's where we get the red from. I got you, I got you. Okay, all right. Um, we get into our last two questions with three, three questions. Um, I, I want to know, what is the biggest difference between being a classroom teacher and being a principal? What, what is the, what's the, what's the biggest difference for you? You know, going through um, the classes, they would talk about influence. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how can a principal have a higher level of influence than a teacher? Mm -hmm. um, and the way they explained it is, as a principal, I get to hire the teacher who's going to influence that child's life for the rest of their lives. So I'm responsible, I have 15 classrooms at Eugene where I'm responsible for those 15 teachers to do their very best to influence the 300 kids at our building. I'm responsible for 300 kids. Um, a classroom teacher is responsible for 25. I'm not knocking, I'm not I'm not saying that they're any less than what I do, um, because we certainly need teachers. We need good teachers. Um, but I, too, was kind of like, well, you know, other than the money, like, why? And they were like, do you know how many more children you can influence? Um, you know, maybe not as much of, of a close relationship, 
But if you can put the right person in front of them, um, then they're going to be the best that they'll be in 20 years. Um, so I don't take it lightly when I hire a teacher. Um, I try to actually put them through a very similar process um, that I went through to become an educator. I ask them to teach a lesson so I can see how they interact with kids. Like it's not just me and you having a conversation and then I go, oh, okay, I think they're going to. No. I, I do ask them to come back or I even ask them um, to prepare to teach a lesson um, while they're in the building um, that day. Obviously, COVID this year, I wasn't able to do that. But mm -hmm. um, the previous three years that I have been the principal, I was able to do that. And it's quite telling when people get in front of kids, if they can do it. If, if yeah, it'll quickly show whether they have it in them or not. Uh, and really, it'll show if they're comfortable with children of color or not. Okay, I understand. I, I like that. Um, able to influence more because you are influencing, you have the say over who is actually influencing mm -hmm. in, in each of the classrooms. And instead of one classroom, you got 15 classrooms Absolutely. that you're responsible for. Yes. I, I like that. This similar thing about coaching, ask me, you, you coaching? Yeah. I love coaching. You know that. I love coaching. I love being on the sideline. But with the Jenna Club, I'm able to influence more than just one team. Right. I'm able to influence more in the community. And so I, I, I get it. I understand yep. that. Yep. Big difference. I like it. Um, <clears throat> I end every show uh, with a question. Same question. You, you, you talked about football in the SEC. Okay. <laughs> so you know a little bit about football. Yes, sir. And I know you watch a few football games. Yes, sir. All right. So Super Bowl is coming up. We're going to say our Chiefs are in this coming Super Bowl, we're watching the Super Bowl, we're there, uh, and they say, hey, Monica Randall, you have just been chosen uh, for a 60-second halftime commercial. Now, you can't sell it. You can't sell it to anyone. You just have to give this commercial. Either you're going to leave your legacy or something with people, or you're going to give some message, whatever you're going to do. What would you use that 60 seconds for? You don't have time to go home and think about it. Because your 60 seconds is about to start in three, two, one. Wow. So you asked the question about uh, what was the key word earlier, and I said love. Um, and so um, I probably would just say, you know, um, as a black woman, educated black woman coming from Kansas City, um, I love what I do. Um, and if you don't love what you do, um, I, I, I really encourage you to find what you love and do it well. Uh, Chef George talked about he loves to cook. He's finding his passion. He's making it happen. Uh, he will be successful. It will provide for him. Um, so I would talk about, you know, love what you do um, and be okay um, to know that you're going to stop and start and stop and start a couple times before you find what you love. Uh, so that would be, and I would say that to, you know, old and young alike, you know, you, you 16, 18 years old going into um, college and you say, uh, I'm gonna be an accountant, like I said. Um, five years in, I had to stop, start, do something else, you know. Uh, so I wasn't afraid of that because I recognized I wasn't loving it. I can look back now and go like, I wasn't really loving that, um, but I love tutoring, you know? So there was always, so pay attention 
to um, the messages that you're getting from your friends and family and strangers. Um, listen, to, listen to that. Be quiet um, and listen. Um, but love, key part is, you know, I, you know, it ain't just about the agape love and, you know, loving a man or loving a woman. It's about, you know, loving yourself um, and being okay that uh, that didn't work. I failed at that. I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to keep moving because I, I didn't like doing that. Um, but, um, you know, maybe my message would be about, you know, what do you love? Um, and be mindful of that, and then that will lead your passion. What do you love? Love. Let love lead your passion. Let love lead your passion. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that. Well, I appreciate you coming this evening, uh, being with us. It was a pleasure. Um, Our title, once again, was I Am What I Choose to Become. Uh, I chose that one because I believe you are, uh, for our young for all our young ones, but especially our young women out there, our young girls, um, they need to see that, that women can choose what they become, and you can be that. And it doesn't mean you may think start in one way, mm-hmm. and then it may evolve to something else, and it's okay with it. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's it. So I, I very much appreciate you. I appreciate Chef George for coming with his uh, Urban Kitchen Casey K uh, in our meal this evening. Yeah. Uh, And this is the Evening Social Podcast, and we'll see you next time. What's going on, good people? Uh, For those of you who may not know me, my name is Chris Dunlap, and I would like to welcome you and thank you for joining me on this segment of Red Pill, where my purpose is to give you financial tips to help you decode the matrix. All the marketing is the truth, nothing more than the truth. What you do with it is up to you. Today's topic we're going to be talking about is savings. And all savings is is the action of allocating a certain portion of everything that you earn to an account that you're not going to touch for a while. If you're a teen listening to us today, uh, you're doing a side job, you have a summer job, all savings is is when you earn some money, put a little bit away that you're not going to touch, that you're not going to spend, so you can start stacking up your bag. That could be in a a shoebox, it could be under the mattress, or you could give it to your parents to manage it for you. For adults, we have a few other options that we can look into. Right? You have your uh, banks that have checking versus savings accounts, so you can allocate some of your money over to your savings that you don't touch. There's credit unions, there's CDs, there's money markets and things of that nature if you want to earn a little bit of interest. I would recommend talking to a branch manager at your bank to look at the different options that you have. Also, our employers are making it a lot easier for us to save because we can take portions or percentages of our earned income and have it automatically put into a savings account that we never see, that we never touch. Just one day you wake up and look and you have a nice little nest egg. Some people may ask, how much should I save? How much should I put away? Uh, It's really up to you, but the purpose of savings in most cases is for you to have an emergency fund in case anything is to ever happen, whether it's a car breaking down, whether it's a loss of income, you have some money that you can reach back into before running into credit utilization. Uh, For most people, they say three to six months of your current earned income. So if you're making $2,000 a month, that means in three months, that will be $6,000. For for six months, that will be $12,000. So you want to start putting away small allocations of each check until your savings account gets up to about six dollars to $12,000. Again, just in case of any emergencies, you have money that you can pull back into before you have to look at using credit cards. We'll get into that in later segments. Uh, Thank you again for... uh, 
before you have to start using credit cards. And we'll talk more about using credit cards to your advantage and not your detriment in later segments. Again, thank you for joining me for this edition of The Red Pill, where all I do is give you financial tips to help you decode the matrix, offering you truth, nothing but the truth. What you do with it is up to you.